Find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Welcome to the Brutal, Bizarre, and Boozy podcast. I'm Declan, the son. And I'm Jane, the mom. This is the podcast where we talk about brutal crimes, bizarre occurrences, and get you drunk with cocktails themed around one of our stories. To lighten things up, we'd like to end our time with a chaser. Please keep in mind some of our stories might be upsetting to young or sensitive ears. We love hearing from our listeners, so feel free to contact us by email or social media. You can find our contact info in the show notes for this episode. If you'd like to support us through Patreon, you can find us there at Brutal, Bizarre, and Boozy Podcast, or use the link in our show notes. Are you tired of this reality? Us too. How about once a week you take a break and visit a different reality? In Jack Billings Presents Haunted Apartment Complex, we bring you a comedy podcast full of ghosts, werewolves, gentle vampires, and Frankenstein monstrosities made of 72 people stitched together. And somehow, that's not even the strange stuff. A proud member of the Podmoth Network. Every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. There's nothing wrong with your audio. I've been a ghost this whole time. Shyamalan Twist! Alrighty, Mom, what story do you have for us today? Uh, well, I have a story about a hotel fire that became very deadly. Mm. But before we get into our stories, I just wanted to read a quick Apple podcast review that we got recently. It says, great show, five stars. Great show with interesting topics. And that was from Killa Kyle recently. So thank you, Killa Kyle, for giving us a little shout out and doing a nice review for us. We super duper appreciate it. What story are you going to tell us, Declan? Today I'm going to be talking about the Return to Nature Funeral Home, which recently came into the news. And to go with that, I have the... The Ashes to Ashes cocktail, which sounds fucking disgusting, but I had to pick it just because of the name, and you'll see why. Oh. Oh. So. This doesn't sound good. The cocktail consists of one and a half ounces of tequila, Reposado specifically, a half ounce of Pedro uh, Zimenez Sherry, one ounce of lemon juice, one tablespoon of sweetened cocoa mix. A quarter ounce of agave nectar and one pinch of ground cinnamon. Are you ready to try it? I am. I am ready to try it, but I predict this is going to be gross. I can't imagine tequila and hot cocoa mix in a drink, but or lemonade or lemon juice. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't that's taste not great. It's not. I don't really taste the hot cocoa mi- or the sweetened cocoa mix. I just taste the tequila and the lemon. So why does there need to be hot cocoa in it? I don't think it does. I think if it were without that, it would be just fine. Maybe they put the hot cocoa to make it brown. 
because it's ashes to ashes. It's still nasty. I think in like traditional Spanish style cooking, they use a lot of chocolate in like typically savory dishes like mole. I believe is chocolate. Yes, it it has a bunch of things in it, but yeah. Mm, I don't even taste taste the chocolate though. I'm kind of surprised. I thought it would be really, really gross, and I just tasted tequila and the lemon, so it's not bad. Yeah, it could be worse, but I it's got like a weird chalky. I don't know if I used the wrong mix or something, but it's got like a weird chalky. A little bit, yeah. All right. All right, let's get into this funeral home. Colorado Springs, Colorado is home to several mentionable attractions, including Pikes Peak, Garden of the Gods, the U.S. Air Force Academy, and the Olympic Training Center. While all these things are great, there was a dark secret hiding inside Colorado Springs near Prospect Lake in the form of a funeral home. Funeral homes Return are bad enough. Funeral Yeah, this one specifically, but Return to Nature Funeral Home was run by John and Carrie Halford and was operate uh, has been operating since 2017. As the name of the company suggests, it was a funeral home that offered cremations and burials without embalming fluid so that the bodies could return to nature. Okay, that makes more sense now. I get it. I thought it was like yeah. going to be really dark. I was oh, thinking dark based on the name. Just wait. I know, but like just my brain went oh. dark. We and I have the brutal. You're supposed dark. to be the bizarre. <laughs> so I'm a little scared. I'm scared. So many nature lovers use this funeral home for their loved ones. However, on October 4th, 2023, some customers would get some strange phone calls. Oh. Police received calls on some... Police received calls of some very horrible smells in the area around Return to Nature. <laughs> Given the nature of their business, the police stopped at the funeral home first. If you, people are smelling dead bodies... And there's a funeral home in the area. Might as well check there first. Well, yes. Okay. As they entered the building, it became very evident that this is where the smells were coming from. And after a quick look around, they discovered something horrible. What police found inside were the unidentified remains of 189 people. (gasps) Oh, I don't know how funeral homes work, but I can't imagine there's that many bodies at a funeral home at once, especially if they're doing cremations and burials. And there stuff. shouldn't Typically be the stacking them up. Yeah. Yeah. So after news broke and spread around town, John and Carrie received hundreds of unanswered phone calls from obviously angry customers. Oh, uh, yeah. Return to Nature didn't actually have a crematorium on the property 
so they would use they would outsource to other companies primarily a funeral service called Wilbert's Funeral Service and and second one that wasn't used as much but is called Rose Lawn Funeral Home and those had crematoriums on the premises so they would ship out the bodies to those crematoriums and then receive the ashes back okay Wilbert Funeral Services stopped working with Return to Nature due to $21,000 in unpaid cremations. Whoops. So, yeah, they they were like, if you're not going to pay us, we're just not going to work with you anymore. And so. Right. After discovering the unidentified bodies, multiple families who use Return to Nature called Wilbert asking about their loved one's cremation, only to find out that the so-called cremation was not performed by them meaning the death certificates have been falsified. So no. when, when you have like a death certificate, I guess there's how they were, how the remains were handled. And so it'll mm-hmm. say like buried or cremated or missing. And I don't know, like right. different things you can write on there. But basically the death certificate that they received had said that Wilbert had cremated their body after the point where they were no longer working with Return to Nature. Oh. So they were falsified death certificates. Yeah. One family with the death certificate from 2021 called Roselawn, the other crematory facility they use, and got similar results, meaning that Return to Nature was lying as early as 2021. Oh, so no. So like, presumptuously were sitting in there for multiple years. Oh. It was also discovered that the so-called ashes received by the families did not have the proper identification. So I guess when you open up an urn, there should be a little note inside saying when they were cremated, who it was, like, all these little really? things that help identify what's inside the urn. Okay, that makes so sense. So what were in the urns? Since uh, I the, don't. clearly they weren't cremating things and the bodies were just stacking up. I'm going to say so, wood ashes, like from a fireplace. No. Concrete. No. Concrete? They didn't even try? Yep, they didn't even. To be fair, if you look at draw, like certain kinds of concrete mix is so fine that I it could be mistaken for ashes. Okay, I get that. Like like a quick set or something like that. Like not, obviously sure. not one with rock chunks in it, but like right. There's finer concrete that's used for different applications and stuff. I get it, but come so, on! If it's supposed to be ashes, at least have it be ashes. Scoop, scoop out your fireplace. So when ashes are combined with water, they solidify, but they're extremely brittle. Whereas concrete solidifies, but it's significantly stronger. So they kind of have like similar results when you add water to them, but one's a lot weaker. (sighs) This is so gross. Many of the ashes received turned out to be concrete. And loved ones uh, actually ended up testing some of the ashes. So when you get cremation ashes, they contain small bone fragments, 
But since it's the the heat is so hot, all the DNA gets cooked out. But some RNA can be left behind. But when the okay. ashes were tested, no bone fragments could be found at all. So it's just the concrete. Yeah. Oh. When the couple this were is... questioned. <laughs> When the couple were questioned, all they had to say was that they knew it didn't. They, oh well. When the couple was questioned, all they had to say was that they knew they didn't have the proper storage, and that the job, uh, like, this is gross. But John used some of the bodies to practice um, his taxidermy skills, because <gasps> he was trying to learn how to. Do taxidermy, and oh, he said that don't he it... would use some of the bodies for taxidermy. Gross. Yes, very gross. Oh. Sadly, since this is such a new case, no one has been arrested yet, and no charges have been filed. However, a couple of like law students have speculated and said that there's really not much that they can be charged for, other than misdemeanor fraud and misdemeanor mortuary violations which could mean that they could really not face much jail time at all well why wouldn't they be in trouble for abuse of a corpse especially if he's using it for taxidermy purposes i think it's because they're they were a licensed funeral home so i'm sure there's yeah. different laws about that but i don't but, know that it's so new that they there's literally no charges been filed like it happened yeah. last month well, well two they're months probably ago. they're probably digging through every piece yeah. of law that they can find in colorado to come up with something that uh they well, can charge him with because so there was another colorado um um, funeral home I guess you call it that was they got caught doing something similar but they were selling the organs on the black market so <gasps> they got 21 years but there's okay. no evidence of the return to nature doing that so it's kind of just up in the air right now wow but that is the return to nature funeral home and I'm sure several of you have probably seen it in the news because it was all over for about a week, but wow, I don't the war in Israel started. So that got flooded out. But so we had in our town, something kind of similar happen where there was a, it wasn't a funeral home, but it was supposed to be like a, a facility that was contracting to do cremation and they were not and they had a bunch of unfortunately they had a bunch of bodies that were stacking up and and it was problematic and they don't know exactly how long it had been happening and I don't know the results of that it happened just a couple of years ago um but yeah there was discussions and articles about how it was there were bodies in the facility that were supposed to have been cremated and they were not. And that's just so tragic for the families, you know, 
I mean, I never well, thought he, about he, it. You get these ashes and you go to the loved one's favorite lake or something and dump them in and right. they just turn into concrete on the bottom. <laughs> like, <gasps> Well, you wouldn't even know, but still. Yeah. Ugh. We've had a few family a members the... be cremated, so makes me. A lot of the family members are like upset with themselves because it's like this guy died and I I was tasked with following out his final wishes but it turns out that it wasn't even him that I was dumping in the fucking lake it was yeah concrete and random shit I could see how some people would feel bad and guilty about that but it's not on them it wasn't their it's not fault a, they didn't do that they probably don't want to get haunted again it's not their fault. They didn't do anything. I wouldn't think that, you know, your Aunt Sally is going to come haunt you because you didn't know that you were dumping concrete in the lake instead of her ashes. But, oh, wow. 189 bodies. That's a lot. That's fucking nuts. Okay. If any place is haunted, it's that place. Yeah, <laughs> they originally thought it was about a hundred bodies, but after a couple of days of investigating, they found so many Where? remains. Like, where did they have them? Like, were they tucked in like hidey holes and walled into the? Ugh. Well, like I'm picturing like a TV morgue where it's just a wall full of lockers, and they just ran out of lockers, so they just started stacking them. I feel stacking I don't know. Them. There yeah, weren't but... any pictures I could find, but... Oh, thank it... God. I could imagine it's fucking gross in there. If the smell is leaking out through the building, that's... Yeah. It's probably not good. Okay, if the any of our listeners out there. there are familiar with this story and have pictures about it, please do not send them to us. We do not want to see it. <laughs> we curious. will just imagine... Send them to, <laughs> send them to you. Okay, well, if I get anything in the email and it's questionable, I'm going to tell you to go read it because I'm not going to do it. Okay. Yeah. Gnarly. In the the subject of the email, say, like, nasty pictures. Graphic pictures. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, we just opened ourselves up to get some really gross, inappropriate pictures. (laughs) Don't send us pictures like that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Nasty. Well, are Let's you ready for it. my story? Oh. Okay. Oh, okay. Nasty. Well, are you ready for my story? Okay. So I chose this story because uh, this story is going to be for our New Year's Eve episode, the episode coming out right before New Year's Eve. So if you're listening to this right as we release it, Happy New Year's. If you're listening to it after, I hope you had a Happy New Year and I hope you have a wonderful year. 
but this uh, story took place on New Year's Eve, so that's why I chose it. New Year's Eve is a common date for celebrations over hundreds of years across different countries. It's, you know, pretty popular. Although celebratory practices may vary in different countries and cultures, the idea is basically the same, saying goodbye to one year and hello to the next year. It's typical to have large celebrations, sometimes with hundreds of, or thousands of people gathered together for an annual event. I was actually listening to um, a podcast recently that the was talking about, it was a police officer who had worked in New York and he was talking about working Times Square on New Year's Eve. And he said it was horrible and he just don't even go. He's like, people are packed in there like cattle in a cattle car and you can't get out and you can't go to the bathroom. So people just go there in the street and he's like, it's gross. It's nasty. People get stolen from Bad things happen, just don't even go. He made it sound like the worst thing ever. So I am definitely not going down to Times Square. Not that I ever wanted to go down to Times Square for New Year's Eve, but that definitely cinched the deal. I was not going to pick that up. Yeah. No, thank. It's cold. It's cold. Yeah. That right there is going to keep me inside. I'm not going to go just because it's cold, but... Uh, no thanks. So one such New Year's Eve celebration took place at the DuPont Plaza Hotel in San Juan, Puerto Rico in 1986. But this event turned tragic in the mid-afternoon of December 31st. A little history about the hotel. The DuPont Plaza Hotel opened to the public in 1963, and it was first named the Puerto Rico Sheraton. It is located on the popular Condado Beach in uh, Puerto Rico there. Apparently, that's a really popular place. Never been there. The pictures made it look very pretty. The hotel was operated by Sheridan Corporation until 1980, and then it became the DuPont Plaza. The building was 17 stories and had 423 guest rooms, plus a multi-story casino. On New Year's Eve of 1986, the hotel was basically full with little to no vacancies. There were an estimated 1,000 people inside the hotel that day, which, depending on a hotel, I mean, that could be a lot or not a lot, but uh, considering the rest of the story, which is not great, um, 1,000 people had some bad stuff happen but not that many people I mean there were some bad things anyway we'll get to that what many of the guests probably didn't know on that day was that there had been a very contentious labor disagreement occurring this dispute was between hotel management hotel employees and the employee union the hotel employed about 450 people and over half of them were union workers one of the major issues at hand was that management allegedly intended to, intended to fire about 60 union employees for the purpose of replacing them with non-union employees, which I've worked in union jobs before, and it's rare to have both union and non-union employees. It, every place that I've ever worked, you were union or you were not. 
if there was a union for employees, you had to participate regardless of whether you wanted to or not. And if there wasn't a union, then you didn't. But I have worked in jobs where like different departments of the job, like at a grocery store, one one part of the grocery store was, but another part of the store wasn't. But you were technically employed by the same. It was just kind of weird. Um, but at this particular facility, there were both union and non-union. The union called a meeting on New Year's Eve. What's that? Fuck the union. I hate unions. Some jobs need them, but you don't. Some jobs do need them. Grocery store bagger. You don't need a fucking union. I will say that my experience with having jobs with a union was that I was in a position that. I didn't need to have a union. And if the employers and the union. Yeah. It's fucking stupid. If the employers and management would act like humans, then you wouldn't need a union in most circumstances. But it made it this like fight in the jobs that I was in where it was like, well, I'm union. So you have to do extra things for me. When the management was like, I just want to, can you just like come to work and do your job? And I think that's kind of standard for most places. But I've also, I did have to use the union at one of my jobs because the management was not being fair to me and I had to involve the union. If management was just fair to their employees, then we wouldn't need unions. So I I see the purpose. Like, if you're getting paid minimum wage, joining a union is pointless because it's like unions are supposed to fight for workers' rights and get you better pay and all this shit. But if you're working minimum wage, you're just spending money for nothing. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's a fair amount of money. So on this day, the union called a meeting at 3 p.m., which took place in the hotel's ballroom. During that time, the meeting, um, during the meeting, employees voted to strike with the event starting at midnight. So they were going to stay working throughout the day, but then at midnight they were going to go on strike, which is, you know, I don't know what their entire plans were, but yeah. However, the tragedy would happen before the strike would take place. At around 3.30 p.m., a fire started in a room adjacent to the ballroom on the ground floor of the hotel. It quickly flashed over into the ballroom and then was drawn through the open doors of the casino. This spread of the fire was actually aided by smoke eaters that were located in the ceiling of the casino. So apparently a smoke eater is a device that helps to carry out cigarette smoke from inside the building um, in a casino. There's a, unit. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of people in casinos that like to smoke. It's like a thing, you know, um, and that gets really gross. I don't like going in casinos that smoking is allowed because it's just like it doesn't go anywhere. It just lingers and you can't breathe and it's really uncomfortable. But I apparently this what's that? You support, support it? Smoking, you know, it's the only place Ugh. you can do it inside nowadays. Other it's than so, your own home. <laughs> oh, I'm not a fan. I'm just not a fan. But I'm not a big fan of cigarette smoke in general, inside, outside, wherever. It just, ugh, 
not a fan. Um, so the smoke eaters were pulling the smoke out, but it was also aiding the fire to spread. So the flashover in the ballroom was so loud that some witnesses thought there had actually been an explosion. The casino was the most populated spot in the hotel with about 150 people inside, which kind of surprised me if they expected there to be, if they estimated a thousand people in the hotel, only 150 people in the casino, but that's still a fair amount of people. Unfortunately, several months before uh, the tragedy, hotel management had the fire escape doors locked because they were concerned about theft. So your fire exit is no longer an exit. This left the only exit being doors that pulled inward towards the casino so the patrons inside didn't realize the doors would open towards them. So they kept pushing the doors and the doors weren't moving because obviously you can't push a pole. So they're trapped inside because the doors aren't opening, but they didn't realize they opened towards them. Few people took their exit through plate glass windows by jumping through them down two stories to the pool deck. Obviously, there's going to be some injuries as a result of that from the people jumping, but at least they survived. I mean, they were injured, but they survived. Many of the people inside the casino were not as lucky, and they died from smoke inhalation. Others tried to escape the fire by using the elevator, but once they reached the lobby, they were unable to exit due to the flames. Many of the survivors were forced to climb the staircases to the roof where a makeshift helipad had started. So they're climbing up 17 stories to the rooftop. Helicopters were utilized from civilians, police, and both U.S. and Puerto Rican government to transport people off the hotel roof to safety. The fire department responded with over a dozen fire trucks, more than 100 firefighters, and about three dozen ambulances. It took almost three hours to put out the flames, but smoke continued until the following day. All told, almost 100 people died in the event, and about 140 others were injured. So it's very tragic, but if they estimated the building being at about 1,000 people, you know, at least it wasn't a thousand deaths. Um, so it's, I wonder too, because it was also three o'clock in the afternoon, a lot of people that were staying in the hotel were probably out on the beach or checking out the town and doing touristy things. Yeah. Yeah. A majority of the 100 deaths were located in the casino. There were definitely some complicating factors in this fire, especially fire safety. At that time, there were no safety standards specific to hotels on a national level, so all safety measures were designed around local ordinances and regulations. Additionally, there didn't seem to be much enforcement of the minimal standards. About a year and a half before the fire, DuPont Plaza had an inspection, and several deficiencies were noted, but no action had been taken to remedy the problems. 
The deficiencies noted at the time were malfunctioning safety equipment as well as a lack of emergency and evacuation plans. The fire sprinkler system was not automated, but it wasn't a requirement at the time, and therefore it wasn't even really noted in the inspection report. At that time, approximately 5% of U.S. hotels did not have automated sprinkler systems. Because remember, this is 1986, so this is a while ago. After the fire, an investigation was launched by the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, or OSHA. They noted 25 safety violations, which included the lack of emergency exits from the casino. It was also reported that there was concern that something big was going to happen, but there were no specific known plans. So the locals were telling tourists and visitors that they should probably stay away from the hotel. So this all came out after the fact, but nobody really knew what the big thing was that was supposed to happen. They just knew that there was rumors that something bad might happen. Of course, in tragedies like these, uh, there are lawsuits filed, and those were started essentially immediately. In all, there were 264 lawsuits filed against 230 defendants by 2,300 plaintiffs asking for a grand total of $1.8 billion compensation for damages. And I'm guessing that was that amount back then, but I'm honestly not sure if if it was the financial compensation back then, then obviously it's a lot higher today. Um, when the trials were over, not all of the defendants were found to be liable for damages, but the ones that were ended up paying over $210 million. Remember that I mentioned there was a labor dispute and a planned strike for that night? Yeah, we talked about the whole labor and the unions and all that. Well, that was not just a random detail, but uh, in fact, a very crucial factor for that day because the fire was intentionally set by three employees. There had actually been a few smaller fires uh, in the hotel in the days leading up to the New Year's Eve incident. Extra security guards were employed, but it didn't help. The three employees responsible were Hector Escudero Aponte, Jose Rivera Lopez, and Arnaldo Jimenez Rivera. I probably pronounced those wrongs if I did, sorry. In a room next to the ballroom, they set up fuel cans used for chafing dishes under the furniture and lit them. So sterno cans, basically. They put them underneath a bunch of furniture Fuck. and lit them on fire. That's not good. No, it's not good. And according to one of them, they were like, we just thought it would be smoky and would scare people. We didn't know it would set the whole friggin' building on fire. Like, what the hell did you think it was going to do, genius? Yeah, those sternos burn for hours. They're like, yes. It's basically napalm in a can. And they put it underneath furniture. So, <sighs> yeah. They're trying to Some save their the... ass in court. That's all. Yeah, for sure. Some of the labor organizers created a distraction by staging a fight outside of the ballroom. The furniture quickly caught fire and spread to the ballroom and the rest. 
The three men's involvement wasn't known initially, but the FBI and ATF were investigating the fire and finally arrested them about three months after the incident. All three men pleaded guilty to murder. I don't think originally they pled guilty, but um, eventually they did. Because I saw a few articles that said one of them uh, was claiming innocence, but then uh, the final was that they all pled guilty. The prosecution initially requested sentences of 25 and 24 years. Uh, but the trial judge rejected that. He said, no, that's bullshit. 24 and 25 years is not adequate enough. So uh, he, he gave him a good sentence. Um, Rivera was sentenced to 75 years in prison. Aponte and Lopez were sentenced to 99 years. This is 1986. Well, 87, I guess, when they were sentenced. But... All three have been released from jail at this time after serving only part of their individual sentences. In 1990, national laws were enacted to help. What's that? They got like appeals or something. No, my guess is they got paroled or something, you know, for being in there for, you know, I mean, I think it was like one of them got out in 2001. One was released in 02. And then I think the third one was, fairly recently in like 2017, but um, they obviously didn't serve their 75 or 99 years. Um, but now things are a little bit safer because in 1990, national laws were enacted to help prevent something like this from happening again. And every hotel and motel in the U.S. has specific fire safety rules that must be followed. So it's not just based on like local fire rules and local laws. It's now a national thing. The hotel went through a massive renovation that started in 1992. It reopened in 95 and is now the San Juan Marriott Resort and Stellaris Casino. So if you want to go to San Juan, Puerto Rico and stay at a hotel that's on the beach, this one is there. But maybe when they renovated it, they got rid of all of the ghosts. ghosts. (laughs) For sure, there's got to be ghosts. Yeah. Well, do you have a chaser for us? I do have a chaser, and it is a watch recommendation on Prime. Mm. Uh, the show is called Wilderness, which is a odd name for a show, considering that it doesn't really have much to do with the wilderness. Uh, it is about a couple who moved to the U.S. from Britain area, and um, they're... Marriage goes off the rails when the husband starts cheating on the wife and she finds out and she starts plotting against him. And uh, it's it's an interesting little psychological thriller show and not everyone ends up alive at the end of it. Was it um, filmed in another language and dubbed over? No, no, it's American. It must be something different then. Because there's this one movie where the husband and wife plan on killing each other but they end up 
getting attacked by a serial killer while they're plotting to kill each other on this like cabin trip. Oh. And it's filmed in Swedish, I think, and dubbed over in American. Oh. Or English, sorry, not American. Oh, I think um, you've told me about that. No, this is definitely yeah, not that. That movie's fucking good. Because they like okay. end up killing the serial killer who's trying to kill them, and they make a movie out of it. And like the end of the movie is them filming exactly what happened with like different <gasps> actors. It's super funny. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, Holy I really crap. like that movie. I wish... I wish I could remember what it was called. But... Yeah, I wish you could remember it too. And I bet all our listeners Netflix, do but... as well because they're like, dang it, Declan, why tell us about a <laughs> cool story and not tell us how to find it? You said it's on Netflix? Okay, if I remember, I'll try and find it, it on there. Still be there but, okay. Yeah. What's your so chaser? My chaser is also a watch recommendation. It's for... Um, stand-up uh, special called Fat Rascal by Stavros Halkius. It's on Netflix. Oh. And he's another one of those. He had a couple YouTube specials and finally made it into, quote-unquote, the big leagues by getting a Netflix special. But he's really funny. He's a fat That's Greek cool. guy. That, yeah, he looks I know who like, you're talking um, about. <laughs> yeah. He's funny. Yeah, he's good. <laughs> He's good. Yeah. So if you guys like comedy, check that out. I think that just about wraps sure. us up though. It does. Love you, bud. Love you too. Bye. Hey friends. Thank you for supporting our podcast. Please share our show with your brutal and bizarre friends. Give us a boozy follow on your favorite podcast platform. If you're feeling extra generous, we'd appreciate a five-star rating or review as well. But maybe do that sober so all the letters are in the right place. You can find all our contact information in the show notes. We love hearing from you, and if you're interested in helping us stock the bar for our future boozy episodes, you can find our Patreon link in the show notes as well.